The following pre-recorded program is paid for by SSI Guardian. Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg with your host, psychologist and author, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Living Well with Dr. Peg explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics brought to you by SSI Guardian. Living Well with Dr. Peg shares effective and practical psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well and staying safe. To listen to previous episodes, learn more about Dr. Peg's mental health and safety workshops, or to register for an upcoming VIP personal transformation retreat. Visit drpegradio.com. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark. Hello, listeners. I'm blessed to be back with you for another episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, which is brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. I'm coming to you from Denver, Colorado, and streaming around the world online and from your smartphone apps. And if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, be sure to go to drpegradio.com for the program archives. You can listen to a variety of topics, ranging from mental health to managing your finances to making behavior changes. And it's spring, and what a great time to work on your goals and behavior change and spring forward. And if you want to experience lasting change in this season of your life, I'd like to invite you to register for one of my upcoming Do Something Different for Change personal transformation retreats. And my next one's coming up in June. And you'll enjoy a full day of refreshment, personal reflection, and strategic planning. And you can schedule a private, individual retreat, or a small group retreat. And in your personal transformation retreat, we'll explore where you are, where you want to go, and identify what's holding you back. And you'll leave with an individualized plan to accelerate your personal transformation and help you spring into your new season. I'd also like to remind you about my book, Do Something Different for Change, which is a self-help book detailing effective psychological strategies based on biblical principles to help you identify and overcome the common barriers to change and to experience lasting change and transformation in your life. Go to drpegradio.com to buy your copy and reserve your spot in a Do Something Different for Change personal transformation retreat. Well, spring is a great time to get out and go for a walk or a bike ride, and we can come out of hibernation in the spring and reconnect with friends, old and new. But what if you've been out of touch for a while? Do you find that it's hard to reconnect? Or when you do get together after some time apart, do you find that sometimes your friends have moved on? Well, in a world where people unfriend each other with the swipe of a finger, how can women develop friendships that they can trust to last. Well, my guest today has written a helpful book about friendship. Lisa Jo Baker is the author of soon to be released, Never Unfriended, The Secret to Finding and Keeping Lasting Friendships. And she's also the manager of the online community for women, Encourage. And Lisa Jo Baker, thank you for being on the show by telephone today. Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Pegg. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. That's wonderful to have you. Uh, You actually have two books. We're going to talk about both of them. You're a contributor to another book called Craving Connection and um, the soon-to-be-released book Never Unfriended, so kind of both in that realm of connections and, and friendships. And you say the heart of Never Unfriended is that it's a call back to friendship. So talk about how you define friendship and Uh, How would you characterize the typical friendships that people have today? Because I imagine it's kind of evolving and changing. 
I think so, too. Yes, I think if we look at our culture today and our online connections, there tends to be a mentality when we look at friendship that takes something from what happens in the rest of the world. So really, we're asking ourselves when we ask about our friendships, what's in it for me, mm. right? What's mm-hmm. in it for me? What do I get out of this? And you know, every late night infomercial is quick to tell you what's in it for you and free shipping with nineteen ninety nine. Sometimes we approach our friendships that way, too. We say, what's in it for me? This book, Never Unfriended, turns that question on its head and instead says, what's in it for you, Hmm. my friend? What can I give you out of this friendship rather than what can I take from this friendship? And so it might be a subtle distinction, but I think it makes a big heart jolt in how we approach friendship. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's that's huge uh, because we really are in a very self-centered culture, um, the age of narcissism and the selfie (laughs) And uh, like right. you said, it's it's all about me, what's in it for me. Uh, so in terms of turning turning this on its head, what can I give instead of what can I take? Uh, therefore, how do you really define friendship? Is it just giving to any random person or is there something special about uh, the friendship relationship? When I was unpacking this question, I went and visited the most faithful friend who ever walked the earth, Jesus himself, Mm -hmm. and spent some time with how he defines friendship. And one of my favorite stories he tells about friendship is one we've all grown up with. He talks about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the reason he tells that story is that he's asked the question, who is my neighbor? Or in essence, who is my friend? Because Jesus had just challenged people and said that the two greatest commands are love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So he's asked, well, who's my neighbor? How am I supposed to find this person? What's so interesting about the story Jesus tells is he doesn't say, this is your neighbor. The story says, go and be a neighbor, Hmm. much like the Good Samaritan was, right? And so I think when I apply that to my understanding of this friendship question, what I'm looking to understand is not what can I get out of a friendship, but what can I give to a friendship? So I look at that picture that he gives us of what that looks like, someone who's willing to show up, to move into the neighborhood, to inconvenience themselves for somebody else, and to put somebody else's interests above their own, and to give them the benefit of the doubt. So I think there's a lot we can pull from that very well-known parable about how a lot of our friendship expectations can be turned on their head when we look at them in the context of that story and what it means to be someone else's friend first. Mm -hmm. It really reminds me of how we should think about marriage as well. Uh, We say we want to get married and um, we want that companionship and we want to feel good and and, um, all the things and benefits that come from marriage. And we forget that it's one of the most selfless acts we'll ever engage in for the rest of our lives till death do us part is being married and uh, knowing that love is not just a feeling it's an action it's it's unconditional sacrifice everything you just said putting someone else before yourself inconveniencing yourself to meet their needs above your own i know i love how jesus gives us parables and then he asks us to live them out <laughs> you know <laughs> we get to experience living parables in our marriages and in our friendships as parents we're constantly living out these stories he painted for us and that he himself of course lived out first mm-hmm. and so why do you think friendships are so important and if we kind of extend the analogy between friendships and marriage 
Um, there's a great book um, that the subtitle is What If Marriage Is Not To Make You Happy But To Make You Holy. Uh, and my yeah. pastor talks about marriage as lifelong deliverance, iron sharpening iron. Uh, so mm-hmm. what makes friendships so important? How do they change us? I think that um, friendships are definitely um, how we experience Jesus with skin on. We come and meet our friends, and in that way we bring Christ to them through mm-hmm. how we love them. And the thing is, a lot of times in our culture today when we've been hurt or inconvenienced or frustrated by friendships, we are just tempted to cut them out. Mm-hmm. But if we believe that friendship is breathed into our DNA because we are made in the image of a three-in-one God, a God that is a friendship, that has a friendship, that is a community, that loves each part of the Trinity, that we hear speaking in Scripture, you know, words of acknowledgement and encouragement over each other. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. That DNA of friendship is here, right under my heartbeat, and I can't cut it out without hurting myself first. So when we are called to that kind of community, then it becomes a spiritual discipline to ask, okay, what does it mean to take Christ up on that invitation to be somebody's friend? Mm -hmm. What does it look like? That it is a spiritual discipline, but also a beautiful spiritual gift Mm -hmm. that I don't want to miss out on. Amen. Amen. So you say there's a a simple but challenging secret (laughs) for us to develop (laughs) and maintain the lasting friendships they seek. And I, I think you've already hinted at that. Uh, but I really want to highlight it. What is that secret to having these lasting friendships that we're all craving? We were we were designed to be in fellowship with first God and one another. Uh, so what is that simple but ever so challenging secret? <laughs> I know. I think it's simple but difficult because I think we are called to be the kind of women who are slow to unfriend one another and quick to believe the best about mm-hmm. each other. And if we can choose that in a culture that's all about headlines and status updates and, you know, trigger finger reactions to all of the above, if we can be slow to unfriend and quick to believe the best, I think we'd be surprised how much that impacts our friendship. Mm-hmm. And in your book, you talk about being the kind of friend you so desperately need. (laughs) And when I first moved to uh, Denver, Colorado, um, over 16 years ago now, hard to believe, I was living in Virginia and um, had been married previously. And um, we, my ex-husband at the time decided we need to move to Denver for another reason, a number of reasons I'll say for another day. Uh, And I had to leave a great job behind. Um, All of my friends and family who I grew up on the East Coast, everyone I knew lived on the East Coast. I I really never even thought about the center of the country as being a a viable place I'd ever live or want to live. Um, All the great friends that I had since elementary school, high school, college, grad school, I had lived on the East Coast, and now I was moving to Denver and left everything and everyone behind. Uh, And when I came to Denver, the only people I knew were my (laughs) in-laws, and nothing against them. They were great people, uh, but I missed my friends. And I remember praying, Lord, just send me one good friend. All, All I need is just one person I can connect with and share with and do things with, and I'll be okay. Uh, And not too long after that, the Lord blessed me with my friend Lisa. And uh, she became one of and still is one of my best friends uh, that I've ever had in life. Um, But not not without some ups and downs over the many years we've known each other. And, And we can talk more about kind of how friendships evolve over time. 
So when you talk about the secret to developing and maintaining friendships, being the kind of friend you, you hope to have, that was kind of my prayer is, Lord, um, this is what I'm needing and this is what I'm willing to give. And I'm, I'm looking for someone I can connect with and be on the same page with. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and interestingly enough, of course, it only takes one, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we tend to think in our Facebook culture, we need hundreds or, you know, 30, 15, a huge group of vibrant friends to have a healthy friendship. But mm-hmm. really, we just need one or two friends that we can sink our lives into and really go to what I have a friend who calls them deep, a next level conversation. Mm-hmm. And I love that, you know, we, and we don't need to be having those with 30 people right. to feel satisfied um, and, and connected. Um, but one, two, three good friends at that level is just a very powerful place to be. Absolutely. And again, Jesus is our model for that. While we had the 12 yep. disciples, he had his inner circle. Um, and so we can we can uh, take that example as well. Exactly. Yeah, I love that about him. Twelve, and then three within the twelve that he was especially close with. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the, um, I guess, the myth or the maybe even deception of social media. Um, when we have, you know, I've got nine hundred and something quote unquote <laughs> friends on <Right>. Facebook, <laughs> and I was going through my list recently. You know. Who do I actually know? You know, sometimes you accept friend requests because they know someone you know, but you've never met them in person. And I realized, okay, I do have hundreds of people. I actually know them by time you count up elementary school, high school, college, graduate school, you know, work um, relationships. Yeah, I know the majority of my so-called, you know, Facebook friends. But how many of them, as you said, do I have those deep next level conversations with? Uh, how many of them right. are really in my inner circle? And when I think about, uh, I got saved um, just a couple months before I moved to Colorado. So when I think about the friends I have now as a believer, where we have something in common, we're equally yoked, we're, we're on one accord, those friendships are in some ways are very different from the friendships I had before I knew the Lord. Yeah, and I think there's a difference between knowing people the way we know them online and then doing life together with people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things I have to constantly remind myself. I have, I mean, I have great friends in the online world, just really wonderful people, and I get to see them a few times a year. But I had felt the challenge back to me from the Lord, but who are you doing life with? Mm -hmm. You know, who are your daily people who actually know what your kitchen looks like? You Mm -hmm. know, who are those people? And um, we, like you, had actually also just moved. And interesting, you moved away from Virginia. You said, and I moved to Virginia okay. seven years ago. <laughs> and so we were kind of, you know, there you are in your late 30s, but you're the new girl all yes. over again. Yes. And, I, you know, it seems to me no matter how old you get, you at some point are always the new girl again. And so we were the, I was the new girl and trying to figure out how to make friends and sort of taking comfort in the refuge of my online friends when the Lord really challenged me, like, who are the people? Like, can you name people in your real life mm-hmm. who have just, who can stop by unannounced? Like, yes. who are those people? And and I didn't have any at the time. And a Bible study leaders kit was sent to me kind of as a promotional thing, and I received it in the mail. And you would think I would have taken that as, you know, an invitation to invite and get to know people. But instead, and this is a true story, I used that Bible study leaders kit as a footstool under my desk for about a month. It was just the right height to put my feet on. <laughs> and then I had this moment one day at church during like that really awkward time of the service when it's kind of a meet and greet, you know, turn to your neighbor and say hello and say how your week was. 
And in that moment, I mean, it was almost like I could imagine God saying to me, Bible study leaders get, you know, do something with that. <laughs> and I walked up to one of the women I had met very briefly. She was younger than me, and she had mentioned how she just wished she had mentors in her life. And mm. I just said, I mean, I was shocked to hear myself say to her, hey, Laura, I have this Bible study that arrived in the mail. Like, would you want to do a Bible study? And I was shocked because she said yes, and then she invited a bunch of people. And next thing I know, it's a Tuesday night, and there's 17 of us wow. meeting at church to do Bible study. And and so I always tell people, a friendship really does require showing up, mm-hmm. and that it's, it's usually awkward in that moment, you know, to initiate that first conversation or take that first step or invite yourself to something or host something. But as much as we wish friends would just, you know, fall from the sky into our laps, Mm -hmm. that is not usually how it happens. So sometimes you have to awkwardly take the first move. And, you know, seven years later, that group of friends who started meeting every other Tuesday night, we still call ourselves the Tuesday Night Girls. Mm -hmm. Even though three of us have moved out of state, we stay in touch constantly because of having awkwardly started doing real life together. Yeah, that's right. You've said a mouthful there. How do we develop those friendships and those deep connections when when we're the new girl? And it really is back to that secret that you talked about is being the kind of friend you want to have. And so reaching out, taking that risk, taking initiative. I I used to encourage my children when they were young, if you see someone sitting by themselves in the cafeteria, I would love for you to be the kind of kid who would be the one to reach out to them when no one else will. And just to, 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 you know, connect with that person who looks like they're not connected. And then that comes back to you when you are the new girl. And Isn't it funny how, like you said, in whatever stage of life, when you have a new job, you still think about, who am I going to eat lunch with? Who am I going to sit next to at the meeting? Uh, It's (laughs) it's always a recurring season in our lives, but we can show up and we can can be proactive. I'm talking with Lisa Jo Baker, uh, author of the soon-to-be-released book, Never Unfriended, and contributor to a book called Craving Connection. We'll talk more about that later in the show. So, Lisa, what are the signs of a healthy friendship? So we know we've got to be that friend. We've got to reach out. Um, who can we do life with? How do we show up? Uh, what are the signs that we've made a good, healthy connection with someone? You know, I could tell a hundred stories, and then I just get carried away. So I tried mm-hmm. to limit myself to the acronym of this word stays, because mm. I think a friend stays. Ultimately, mm. like, that's a very healthy Friendship, And so if we think about those letters, S-T-A-Y-S, so the quick version of a healthy friendship is the S is shows up. A friend shows up. You know, they make the initiative. They are the ones who take action. They are the ones who, no matter how awkward it is, are the one who turns up and shows up for you. A friend shows up. And then S-T, a friend takes time. I think we live in a culture of 140 characters and Facebook updates, but really friendship takes time and it takes time and the time doesn't have to be perfectly staged or, you know, a beautifully tidy home or the great setting, but we do need chunks of time together. So a friend shows up, a friend takes time, and then A, a friend assumes the best, always assumes the best, because I think it's so easy to get in kind of arguments with our friends in our heads that aren't even real, Mm -hmm. and those can impact our friendships. So if a friend is willing to assume the best, 
a friendship has a chance of staying healthy. And then the why really is that question. Why? Friends ask good questions. How are you doing? How can I pray for you? How did that meeting go? How'd your kid's doctor's appointment go? And then they aren't afraid of hard answers to you so that we can have those next level conversations. And then the final letter S is stops and starts. Healthy friendships stop comparing and they start encouraging. So friends say, show up, take time, assume the best, ask why and stop comparing and start encouraging. So I thought if I could sum up the book in five letters, that would be it. Oh, that's awesome. Shows up, takes time, assumes the best. Why? Ask those hard yeah. questions, good questions that take you to a deeper level. Stop comparing and start encouraging. encouraging. <laughs> that's yeah, great. Yeah, so we, we can assume that if those things are not happening, they're not staying, um, they're leaving. Uh, what are the yeah. signs that it might be time to end a friendship? And, and, and I'll talk in a moment about a uh, friendship that kind of got ended against my will, <laughs> against my desire. Yeah. Uh, but what about yeah. when we realize, you know what, this, this friendship isn't what I need it to be or hope it to be, or it's toxic, it's not healthy. What are those signs? I, you know, the visual that I give women when I talk about this is I say that friendship shouldn't feel like skinny jeans. Friendship should feel more <laughs> like sweatpants. And if you have a friendship that feels more like skinny jeans, like you can't breathe, it's hard to sit down, it's uncomfortable, you wish you could take it off immediately, that's usually a sign that the friendship is not in a healthy place. And so some signs of that are, you know, for example, we're trying to fit people into a certain structure. We're expecting them to act in a certain way, and they don't. Or we're trying to get all of our encouragement and our life-giving moments from a friend who isn't capable of giving all of that to you because they're not supposed to. Or, you know, there's constant passive-aggressive behavior or comparison. All of those things that start to feel like communities are usually a sign that that friendship is no longer healthy for the two of you. Mm-hmm. And I always tell women, we don't want to just storm out on those friendships, you know? We don't want to slam the door and say, you're done, we're done. We want to be sure we've done our due diligence and given those friendships every chance possible. Because I love what Scripture says. It's really clear in this regard, too. It says, um, Romans twelve eighteen says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Mm. So there is a burden on me to make sure that as far as it depends on me, I have done everything I possibly can to try to move from skinny jeans to sweatpants in that friendship. Mm-hmm. And if, I, if I've if i done that, if I've loved and I've behaved righteously and I've invited other friends in and asked them for advice and I've been forgiving and given many second chances and still there's part of the friendship that, that feels like it's you know strangling me, um, it might be then time to say, okay, I think we need a break. Like mm-hmm. I, and, and for both of our helps, not so that one of us can do better than the other, but that's so that Christ can really work in both of us. Mm-hmm. So if at some point, as far as it depends on you, you can't fix that friendship, we have to remember we're not called to fix people. Mm-hmm. We're called to love them. Mm-hmm. Jesus is in the business of fixing people, and we have to at some point be willing to let him do that, right. which might mean we have to step back. And sometimes the most loving thing we can do is be honest, to tell the truth. Right. Uh, you know, when, when we're together, this is how it feels, or 
uh, it, I've heard a lot of people say where they feel like they're the ones always giving and never receiving. And I know that's part of yeah. how you're defining friendship is we're willing to put that other person first. But then it's a one-sided relationship. If they're truly right. our friend, just like in marriage, we're, we're giving right. to them and they're giving to us. So we're both feeling satisfied. Uh, but being yeah. honest, loving them enough to tell the truth about how you mm-hmm. see it or even you know where you're at and taking responsibility for your feelings and you bring up a good point we shouldn't just cut and run <laughs> to just right. fall off the face of the earth and not have that honest conversation to say you know what this isn't a healthy relationship any longer so here's what's going on rather than just stopping and re- not right. returning calls or or, or um, hiding out uh, my, my pastor um, of, of counseling at my church pastor Kay Michaelis always asks reminds us to ask what would love do and don't mm-hmm. sin against That's love. Good. And so if we know, yeah. you know, God is love, what would what would God do? What would Jesus do? Um, and don't yeah. sin against love. Yeah. And I, you know, Jesus is such a great model here, too, because if, you know, God himself couldn't fix his friendship with Judas, mm-hmm. you know, no matter how loving Jesus was, no matter how much he gave Judas the benefit of the doubt, Judas chose against Jesus. Yes. And Jesus let him go. Mm-hmm. He didn't chase after him. He didn't try to make it better. He didn't say, oh, I, it was my bad. You know, I should have been more understanding or more polite. And I think we suffer in our culture from yes. the of politeness. Lisa, let me, let me interrupt. We're going to go to a break. And when we come back, we'll hear more from Lisa Joe Baker. 94.7 FM, The Word. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. Our children deserve the highest level of education in the safest learning environment possible. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with maximum locking protection while meeting all safety, fire, and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the best classroom protection. Take action today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to guardianprotect.com. That's guardianprotect.com. With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. Authorities say an apparent tornado has demolished a church in Louisiana. The Bienville Parish Sheriff's Office says the storm destroyed the Ringgold Assembly of God Church late last night. No injuries were reported. The Storm Prediction Center in Norman, Oklahoma, says storms that are moving across Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama are just the start of what's expected to be a very active week for severe weather. Turkey's president says the country might pursue a Brexit-like referendum on whether to pursue European Union membership. President Erdogan made the proposal today as tensions are escalating between Ankara and the European governments ahead of an April 16th referendum to expand the powers of the Turkish presidency. And a woman who owns an apartment at Trump Tower is being fined $1,000 by the city after she rented it out on Airbnb. This is SRN News. This is Denver's all-new 94.7 FM, The Word. Renting in Denver? Denver rents have consistently gone up in 014, 15, and through today. Can you imagine how high your rents will be next year? 
You already know this, but you've struggled to save $10,000, $20,000 or more in down payment to buy your own home. I'm Brian Murphy, owner of Front Range Mortgage, and I may have your ticket out of renting and into a home of your own. We are proud to announce our new 1% down payment purchase program that can get you out of your landlord's pocket and into your own home. 1% down payment equals $3,000 to get you into a $300,000 home. That's $3,000 to own your own home. Call me and my local Colorado-only team for a painless five-minute conversation to see how quickly we can get you into your own home with a mere 1% down payment. Our number, 303-500-1900. That's 303-500-1900. Or visit frontrangemortgage.com. And MLS 378844, regulated by the Division of Real Estate. For centuries, it's been called a land of promise. Today, it's a land of blessing. Come and experience for yourself the only place God called my land. Experience Israel and celebrate Jerusalem's 50th anniversary. A once-in-a-lifetime trip awaits. Tour Israel like never before during nine exciting days. You'll visit Galilee, the Jordan Valley, the Garden Tomb, and many other historic sites. Embolden your faith as you trace back the very steps of Jesus and experience firsthand the beauty of Mediterranean landscapes, culinary delights, and return home with a renewed vision for your life. A dedicated team of passionate and knowledgeable professionals will lead the tour. Four- and five-star travel accommodations will give you comfort and safety for the duration of the trip. For full cost and trip details, visit Experience. ExperienceIsraelTour.com. That's ExperienceIsraelTour.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit DrPegRadio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark. Welcome back, everyone. My guest is author Lisa Jo Baker, and we're talking about her book, Never Unfriended, The Secret to Finding and Keeping Lasting Friendships. And Lisa, how can listeners contact you and buy your book when it comes out uh, next month? Let me give you a one-stop shop. You can go to neverunfriended.com, and uh, there you'll be able to buy the book and connect with me, visit Encourage, um, check out some of our videos that have friendship concessions. So neverunfriended.com. Excellent. And listeners, you can also link to Lisa Joe Baker's website from my website, drpegradio.com. So we're talking about friendships and times when it signs it might be time to end a friendship. Uh, a similar question that you bring up in your book is uh, what's life giving to a friendship and what kills a friendship? Yeah, I think these are important questions we ask ourselves because we constantly want to be asking, you know, what can I give you out of a friendship, not just what can I take from a friendship. When I think about what's life-giving, what breathes life into a friendship, it's encouragement. Mm. And I think its opposite is comparison. The comparison shows a friendship and encouragement breathes life into a friendship. And we live in a culture that's constantly trying to get us to compare. You know, we scroll through Instagram or Pinterest or Facebook, and there are a million different ways to compare ourselves to other women. And it is difficult to resist that sometimes. And and we can't just say, oh, I'm not going to compare. We really have have to replace it with something. And I think the tool that we can replace it with is encouragement, choosing to get behind another friend and say, wow, I see what God's doing in your life. How can I support it? How can I encourage it? How can I champion you? And that brings life to a friendship. 
Mm-hmm. Amen. So again, part of that um, acronym stays. A good friend shows right. up, takes time, assumes the best, asks why or asks those good questions and stops comparing and starts encouraging. And so, yep. you know, and young people today say, uh, don't hate, congratulate. <laughs> and so, oh, yeah. yeah, my mom used to say when I was a little girl and would have a falling out with a friend, uh, sometimes she'd say, oh, that she's mad because she's jealous. And I never really understood, well, what in the world does she even have to be jealous of? But as we grow older, we see that trap of comparison, comparing ourselves to others and seeing, feeling where we don't measure up. That's a painful feeling. And instead of exploring that and inviting the Lord in to minister to us in that area, we lash out often uh, toward the person who makes us feel that way. And they may have done nothing at all uh, intentionally right. to make us feel less than. That's why it's just one of the most awful ways for friendship to end, because the thing about comparison or envy or jealousy is that it hurts both of you. It hurts the person who feels jealous, but it also hurts the person you're jealous of, because there they are, minding their own business, serving in the kingdom of God, you know, leaning into the talents and callings on their life. And when they find out that those are things you're jealous of or you resent them for, they feel guilty about mm. those things. And they wish they could you know, not have those things anymore in order to have a friendship with you. And nobody should have to choose. You know, we shouldn't put our friends in that situation. And it's the reason I think envy is at the root of almost every other sin. There's mm. something about it that says, I want what you have. Mm. Um, that's so dangerous. And I, it's why I've loved going back and revisiting the story of David and Jonathan and Saul in Scripture, because Saul's entire life is characterized by his obsessive jealousy of David. And then there's Jonathan, the literal heir to the throne, who basically abdicates in order to come alongside David and support what God's doing in Mm. David's life. And what really struck me is that it isn't just that, that Jonathan is David's friend, it's that Jonathan recognizes what God is doing in David's life, mm-hmm. and that's what he aligns himself with. And I think that's why encouragement is so powerful, because in a world where, a world, a Christian world, we're able to recognize, I'm not just encouraging you to be your cheerleader, I'm encouraging you because I recognize it as a spiritual discipline, because I'm acknowledging what God has called you to, mm-hmm. and how can I support that piece of the kingdom. So I, one of the expressions we use at Encourage, the website I write for, is that the kingdom of God is always a co-op, not a competition, mm. that we work together and not against one another. And that, you know, there's a bigger harvest then when we're all working alongside each other. Amen. And I love that, that we're acknowledging what God is doing in them. We don't have to be jealous if that's their God-given purpose and destiny and God has gifted them with certain talents and abilities, uh, we should celebrate that just as what's mine is mine and what God has gifted me with and ordained for me to do and created me for a specific purpose. No one else can do that. And so encouraging our friends is really uh, glorifying God. Right. I mean, and I love Priscilla Shire has this great observation. She says, you know, the enemy, it's such an effective strategy if the enemy can convince you that if you can't do it like her, it's not worth doing. That's right. Because then he manages to neutralize all of the gifts, talents, and callings Mm. in your own life because you want them to look like somebody else. Right. 
And the agreement uh, and unity that comes from encouraging your friend by acknowledging what God is doing, that brings you into right. unity and that there's, right. there's power in that agreement. You know, you talked about um, envy kind of being at the root of all sin and, and seeing how it plays out in friendships. And that brings to mind Lucifer, who wanted to be mm-hmm. God, <laughs> you know, be like right. God, be God. And um, how that that led to his fall. And and I'm thinking of the scripture that says wherever there's envy and strife, there's confusion Mm -hmm. in every evil work. And so envy really um, can be the the downfall of a good friendship. Yeah. And what's so awful about it is that often it's the thing that's not talked about. It's very toxic the way it creeps in because sometimes we don't even acknowledge it's happening when we feel envious or comparison. We just kind of slowly start ignoring their status updates or not getting back to their messages or not showing up for their events. And I think we'd be surprised if anyone actually said out loud what we were thinking. Mm. I think often about that scripture that talks about the heart is more deceitful than anything else. Like, nobody lies to me like I lie to myself, you know? And so envy is this wall that can be built up between two friends without either of them consciously acknowledging it. And so every time your friend tries to connect with you, she slams up against this wall you've built up between the two of you, and then she's confused, and then you get to be mad at her all over again that you're not connecting anymore. It's so insidious the way um, Satan is able to dismantle a friendship. I mean, we see that it's it's not even original. I mean, he's been doing it since Cain and Abel. It's been around forever, so it's not a matter of removing Facebook from my phone. It's a matter of acknowledging how warped my own heart is and really asking Christ for a heart transplant. Yeah. Well, and there's been psychological research on the impact of social media on people's self-esteem and their mood and emotions. And uh, there's some connection between viewing social media and feeling depressed. And I think it does Mm -hmm. go back to that comparison. And we can look at when we have a strong reaction perhaps to a particular friend's you know posts on social media for example uh, we can look at that as a mirror instead of like you're saying instead of just saying oh, I can't stand her or she's bragging or goodness gracious you know enough already uh, we can ask ourselves what's going on with me that I'm having such a yeah. strong reaction and that can serve as a mirror um, to help us um, help the Lord uh, have the Lord search our hearts Yeah, I think that's such a great way to use envy, um, like God can use everything to turn it toward His kingdom and His glory. And I think if we're willing to ask, what is it in me that needs to change, rather than confront a friend and let her know how jealous we are of her, Mm. um, we we get to grow and we get to protect her from something Satan's trying to do to break down what God is, is doing for the kingdom through her. So I always encourage women, if you're struggling with jealousy of comparison, don't go confess it to the woman you're struggling with. Find a neutral third mm. party that you can tell and who can counsel you and help you trace back to the roots of what it is in your own life that maybe you want to now go and ask God, Lord, are you calling me to serve here? Is this a way I can serve you? Um, that way you get to grow in Christ as opposed to subtract something from somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. Amen. So again, the way that our friendships 
can benefit us, even if we're giving and putting their needs first. It, it's really conforming us into the image of Christ, iron sharpening iron. Um, so what, in addition to envy or comparison, what other kinds of things prevent women from connecting? I think that there are four key lies that we tell ourselves, and they play out in many different ways. So if we, uh, this is my second acronym, I have the one that stays, which are the positives, and then lies, here are the negative Mm. things, the lies we tell ourselves that prevent us from connecting. The first one, L, is that we've been left out on purpose. Not just that we've been left out, but on purpose, you Mm. know, and that ties into all this idea of what we've been talking about, envy and comparison and what they talk about online, FOMO, fear of missing out, that we've been left out on purpose, and then L-I, I is that we're invisible. If I'm not like her, it's not worth it. You know, I'm just, I'm invisible. And then E, I do this all the time. E, I tell myself that everything is about me. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> so it's happens, not. <laughs> I know. Like, it's so dangerous because then you're, you kind of then morph everything into, oh, she didn't call me or invite me because I did X, Y, Z thing bad or she must be mad. I assume all these things nobody's actually saying. My husband constantly has to remind me, Lisa Joe, the whole world does not revolve around you. You know, <laughs> everything is not about you. <laughs> That's because it revolves around me. All <laughs> <laughs> right. So I try not to believe that voice in my head that's constantly making up crazy stories about other people that mm. puts me at the center. And then L-I-E-S lies. And this is what we talked about earlier, the skinny jeans version of friendship, that I can somehow squeeze people into a version of friendship that works best for me, or I can try and get something out of them that works for me, as opposed to recognizing friendship is something we're supposed to give. It's supposed mm. to be more like sweatpants, comfortable. So... Yeah, these are just four core lies I think we tell ourselves in our friendships that impact every way that we interact with other women. Mm-hmm. Wow, so that's that's a whole lot, feeling left out on purpose. So again, it's, yep. it's um, you said a friend assumes the best. <laughs> and so even if yep. you were left out, you give them the benefit of the doubt that right. it was an oversight or for whatever reason they were... They had different priorities. And again, if we know that often the most loving thing we can do is tell our friend the truth, it may be worth bringing that up honestly with our friend. Well, I'm talking to Lisa Jo Baker, author of the upcoming book, Never Unfriended. And we're going to take a break. break, And when we come back, we'll hear more about what we can fix and what we can't fix in our friendships. 94.7 FM, The Word. Schools can no longer afford not to invest in a professional evidence-based advanced safety education training program. It's the single most important decision and investment a school administrator will ever make in their professional career. When all else fails, training and preparation are the only things that will increase your chances of survival in a violent incident such as an active shooter or act of terrorism. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training programs tailored to your needs. While there are many basic training programs largely based on opinion and emotion, SSI Guardian is the only advanced training program of its type with an accredited continuing education unit, or CEU, issued by an accredited university. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based, and professional organizations. To learn more, call SSI Guardian today at 877-878-5800 or visit guardianprotect.com. 
To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. And if you need support with change and transformation in your life, check out my book, Do Something Different for a Change, or attend one of my personal transformation retreats coming up. The next one's coming up in June. Go to drpegradio.com for more information. My guest today is Lisa Jo Baker author of the upcoming book, Never Unfriended. And you can go to neverunfriended.com, right, Lisa, to learn more about the book or drpegradio.com. So let's talk about uh, what we can and what we cannot actually fix in our friendships. So we know kind of the signs of, uh, signs of a healthy relationship, signs that maybe we're more in a skinny jeans <laughs> situation with our friend than a sweatpants situation. Uh what can how, what can we fix when we see those things happening and we really don't want to move a, walk away or uh, end a friendship? I know we are so tempted to fix things, aren't we? Like HGTV, I want to fix all the broken <laughs> things in my house and I want to fix the other people around me so that I can have a better relationship with them. But here's the deal: like we are not actually called to fix other people. We are called to love them, and so that is often the biggest shift we have to start with. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to other people, they are, there, are, there are whole categories of things we're not going to be able to change or fix, and it's not our job to. So, for example, we cannot control other people's stories. So the women that we are making friends with, we can't control where they're coming from or what their past relationships or friendships are. We receive them as they are. So all the baggage that they carry into friendships, we have to recognize we're carrying our own into from our own past stories, and we can't fix or change that. We have to be able to accept it on, you know, at face value. This is who my friend is and where she's coming from and how it's going to impact my friendship going forward. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, you also contributed, Lisa, to a, a book called Craving Connection. And um, yeah. one of the things that... Um, you talk about in that book is that it's so important to connect with God before we can truly connect with others. And I think that really kind of highlights what you just said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we look at Scripture, it seems like the whole narrative of Scripture is about God's relationship with with us individually first, and then about our relationship with the other people God's created, right? But if we don't have that first element down, our relationship with God, it's a very difficult to move forward into how he wants us to relate to other people. So that's where we start his friendship with us. And thank goodness we have a God who scripture says moved into the neighborhood to get to know us. Mm-hmm. That's how much he loves us and wants to be our friend. And that relationship is what will define my identity in other relationships. Mm-hmm. So if I believe that I am beloved, that I am mm-hmm. chosen, that I am pursued, that I am redeemed, if I believe that I'm called and appointed for certain things in God's kingdom, it's completely liberating then in how I interact with other people, because I don't need them to fill me up or define me or give me my identity or my calling or my sense of purpose, right? Mm-hmm. I've already got it from the Lord. So if we don't start there... Um, we are already starting two steps backwards when we step into friendships. Right. And then that really does make it easier to put the other person first, whether we're talking about friendship or marriage. Um, if I'm getting my needs met from the Lord, I'm truly plugged in and connected and have my 
my identity rooted and established in him, it's a whole lot easier to give to others and meet their needs first before I go seek meeting my own needs. Right. It's that whole paradigm again. Not We don't ask about friendship, what's in it for me? But we say, what's in it for you? Mm-hmm. What can I give you? Mm-hmm. And Christ models that first to us. You know, he loved us before we knew him and while we were still sinners. He was already looking at what's in it for us. What can he give us? Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, you mentioned uh, about your role as a community manager with a group called Encourage. Can you tell us more about that and and what you've learned about friendship from being involved with that community? Encourage is an online community of women, so women from all over the world connect there. And we spell it, interestingly enough, with an I-N, Encourage, dot me is the website. And we spell it that way on purpose because we wanted to remind ourselves that courage is something, encouragement will take courage, right? We have to actually engage engage with friends. We have to show up. We have to serve. We have to go first. So encouragement takes a degree of courage, and it requires being in Christ and in community. So that's why it's called Encourage, and it's existed for seven years now. It's an online space where women gather to share what we call their stories of everyday faith. So not, you know, Bible study faith, not Sunday morning faith, but faith that happens between the broken dishwasher, the kid who threw up, (laughs) and the cat who, you know, created havoc in your laundry room. Like, what does everyday faith look like? And so that's what Encourage is. It's women who come and share their stories of meeting Christ in the middle of the everyday. Mm -hmm. And what have you learned and what would visitors to that online community learn about faith? friendship and and connection if they were to spend time in that in encourage online community well our tagline is find yourself among friends so we sure hope that encourage would be a place where you can come and exhale like encourage is the original sweatpants version of friendship okay Mm -hmm. no skinny jeans you just come on in put your feet up you can say what a hard day it's been or where you're hurting or where you feel discouraged Encourage really is that place where you can sit down next to a friend and feel like you're having a me too moment, you know, Mm -hmm. where we're going to share stories where you can say, yes, me too, (laughs) me too, that's what it's like for me. And we hope we can send you back out again, refreshed and ready to connect with other women. Mm -hmm. Amen. And so uh, why, why did you write Never Unfriended? Why did you contribute to and all the other authors write craving connection. What do you hope women will gain from reading these books? You know, I have served as the community manager for Encourage for the last seven years. And it's been such a unique position because I've had the opportunity to participate in really hundreds and hundreds of conversations with women about friendship. And there are two things that I've learned. One, we all crave connection. We crave friendship. But two, we're afraid. And so at the crossroads of those two things, how do we help move women forward? And so Craving Connection is really great. It's a 30-day friendship challenge in essence. It's 30 different ways to connect, practical ways to connect with the women in your life. And not just the women in your life, but to connect with God, to connect with your immediate friends, and then to connect with your community. So if you struggle to figure out, you know, how do I get started on this whole friendship thing? Or what does it look like to show up for my friends? Craving Connection are these great capsules that you can use on a daily basis to engage your local community. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, we, we already talked a lot about uh, comparison, but I wanted to 
uh, talk a little bit more about it from the point of view that you share in in the book Craving Connection. And um, your contribution, the chapter is called The Life You've Been Given. And you you have a few things, uh, three things that you say happen when we compare. Um, And let me read those and have you elaborate on them. Uh, One thing that happens, you say, is we fix our eyes somewhere other than on Jesus. We're either looking at ourselves or looking at someone else, and we miss the main event, (laughs) Jesus at work. Uh, Number two is we will always find someone doing life better, so we fail to see the good that God created in us. God declared us very good, but we still discount it as not good enough. And three, we will perhaps find someone not doing life as well as we are, and we can become bloated in our own self-image. When we do that, we become like the Pharisees who pridefully compared themselves to other people. Uh, I think, you know, two things that you've said today uh, are really good takeaways. We should do less comparing and more encouraging. Say more about those negative outcomes of comparison. Yeah, comparison... (laughs) Unfortunately, comparison is the thing that we think we're saying about somebody else, but really it's impacting us and it's doing damage to us. And so I'll just clarify that that piece in the book I don't think is written by me. I think that article might be by Lisa Turkhurst, but I could look it up to be completely sure. Okay. Um, but I 100% agree with everything that she said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because comparison is that sin that undermines both who I am as well as who my friend is. And that's why what I've learned is not to give it any single tiny root in my life, but instead I have to constantly root it out of my life in order to make sure that I am a safe space for my friends. Mm -hmm. They know that if they come to me with what's going on in their lives, I'm going to be able to focus on them and encourage them in what God has called them to and not make it about me. Mm Mm-hmm. I just checked that one was written by uh, Jennifer Duke. So my apologies, but uh, we already had talked about comparison and I just thought that was so good that we really need that reminder. Yeah. We're taking our eyes off the Lord. Yeah. It's such a good piece. Mm -hmm. Well, let's close out um, with some of your do's and don'ts of being a good friend. And so that we can end on a good note, Uh, start with some of the don'ts. What shouldn't we do? And then talk about what are a few do's. We have about a minute left. Sure. I would say don't try and take your identity from your friendship. Our identities have to come first from Christ. Don't expect your friends to be able to fill you up because a woman who's had a hard Monday, it's not her job to try to fill you up. Again, that is something we have to get from Christ. And don't expect that you can fix other people. Our job is to love them. So that leads us into the do's. Mm-hmm. Do love other people. <laughs> do go first and show up. Do be brave enough to be what we call unfine. Are you willing to tell your friends how you're really doing? And do make time for them. Don't just say you're too busy. But mm-hmm. Do make time for your friends. Amen. Amen. Excellent advice um, from Lisa Jo Baker. You can learn more about her upcoming book, Never Unfriended, at neverunfriended.com. Um, or you can go to drpegradio.com. So link to Lisa Joe and certainly to purchase my book, find out more about my personal transformation retreats, and listen to previous episodes of Living Well with Dr. Peg. My guest has been Lisa Joe Baker, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well. Thanks so much, Lisa. Thank you for having me. God bless you. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, brought to you every week by SSI Guardian. To listen to previous episodes, learn more about Dr. Peg's mental health and safety workshops, or to register for an upcoming VIP personal transformation retreat, visit drpegradio.com. You can also purchase Dr. Peg's books, Do Something Different for a Change, and Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, online at drpegradio.com. And remember to join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94.7 The Word FM for Living Well with Dr. Peg. Want to know everything Christian that's going on in Zimmer? Log on to krks.com today. Krks.com. Local ministries, up-to-date concert events, and even the latest in weather. It's all at your fingertips at krks.com. Krks.com. Krks FM, Lafayette, Denver, Boulder. This is Denver's all-new 94.7 FM, The Word, part of the Salem Media Group.